Learning to swim is a magical time in a child's life. The excitement of the water, playing with friends, making memories on vacations that will last a lifetime. British Swim School has locations throughout the U.S. where we specialize in teaching anyone to swim, from babies to adults, beginners to those who need a refresher. British Swim School's instructors make learning to swim fun with gentle teaching methods. Sign up your kids for swim lessons at BritishSwimSchool.com. Welcome to the Grit Daily Startup. I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk, and this is a podcast about what goes on behind the scenes at startups. The good, the bad, and the gritty. Let's dive in. Thank you. Nice to see you. Yeah, GM. <laughs> Great to meet you. Um, so our topic today, I think, is um, basically the impact of crypto on social class and kind of what that can do. And so I think that, you know, I'm, I'm interested maybe in just like hearing a bit of a background on on what you do and why that's relevant to uh, to kind of the way that you think and, and act within the space. Sounds good. Um, so GM, everybody, great to meet you. My name is Willie Ogerzali. Currently, I'm head of decentralization for the Fox Foundation, which is a foundation that supports Shapeshift DAO in achieving full decentralization. Before that, I was principal product manager at Shapeshift when it was a centralized organization. And before that, I was a founder of Bitfract, which was a tool where you could trade Bitcoin for multiple cryptocurrencies in a single transaction, which Shapeshift acquired in 2018. And before that, I was a Web2 entrepreneur. I dropped out of college at CU Boulder to start a Web2 legal tech SaaS-enabled marketplace called Just Legal. Um, I did that for about five years. So yeah, I have a kind of an interesting background. Um, I am very interested and passionate about things like economics and um, products and engineering tech, uh, as well as um, even like the legal industry. I really have just a, a very broad, um, yeah, ex experience, and uh, I feel like a lot of that experience is um, is beneficial to working in the crypto industry because you do need to kind of have um, some level of understanding of a lot of different um, fields in order to really have a, a deep understanding of crypto. So fortunately, I got pretty lucky and uh, yeah, I'm able to tap into a lot of those skills uh, throughout my day-to-day -day job, which is a very interesting job unlike any job I've had before. Nice. Yeah, I, uh, I actually am a co-founder at Souk uh, and I lead product and then right now kind of doing CTO duties as well. So I have that same sort of background as you where uh, I've, I've majored in mechanical engineering and then I did like some consulting and made my way into product management uh, doing IoT and then eventually made my way into crypto. Um, and at Souk, what we're working on is basically building a new capital market to basically shift the wealth distribution from more of a power law that we see today to something much more of a standard distribution. Uh, and we believe that there is a, a really great opportunity with crypto to kind of shift wealth by giving access to more retail investors uh, to participate in just better economic opportunities uh, through better investments. And so that's something that I actually think is pretty relevant to our, our conversation topic today. But I'm just I, I think it's it's interesting because crypto has been lauded as something that can really I think we overuse the word democratize, but like democratize access to wealth and, and really flatten out that wealth distribution. But to date, we've seen a lot of 
kind of just concentrated distribution within crypto whales, I think like potentially even more so than we see in, in traditional finance in terms of that distribution. So I'm curious from your perspective, like how do you think that that's something that we could potentially shift over time um, and, and what types of products and I guess uh, like on-chain assets do you think would help us in, in moving in that direction? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I, I, I appreciate that Suk is working towards that because um, yeah, crypto has so much potential, but to your point, right now, a lot of the wealth is concentrated with, with whales who got in early. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think um, I think a lot about uh, just, like you said, access, basically. I think that's important. Like the cool thing about crypto is that even though right now there's a lot of whales that got in early, um, at least access is democratized and anybody is able to access the same opportunities that these yeah. whales can, can access. Um, and even information, I think like uh, there's always going to be some as, as long as we're in a free market and not just complete communists or everyone's on universal basic income or something. There's there's always going to be um, distribution. Uh, not everyone's going to be on the same at the same level of wealth. But what's important is that people at least have uh, equal starting points, equal access to these opportunities, equal access to information. And that's something that I do think that the the crypto industry as well. And yeah, the um, just opening up access to investment opportunities, which right now are uh, the best investment opportunities are reserved for accredited investors. You know, that that alone prevents a lot of individuals from having access to, to wealth and to these opportunities. I also think that crypto um, really inherently kind of encourages people to save. I think right now um, the interest rates and in banks are so low, credit cards are um, advertised so much that a lot of people um, who are on the, the lower end of the income distribution um, are living paycheck to paycheck. They're not, they're not really saving up and they're even going into debt. So I do think crypto has the potential to both encourage people to, to save more and give them better interest rates, better yield for, um, for saving up. Um, and then also, I think eventually we're going to see um, credit cards, the whole credit card industry improve. And like, I think protocols like Alchemix and stuff that can give users access to self-repaying loans and stuff like that. Like we've just scratched the surface of that. But um, yeah. hopefully, like just having these tools available, um, commercializing them, in making them more accessible to the average individual, it will at least provide more better options that put the individual more in control. Yeah, that makes sense. And I, I think the interesting thing about all of this is I assume based on kind of what you've worked on uh, and what you're doing now that you're probably a, a bit of a decentralization maxi. Uh, and I think like spiritually, I fall in that category as well. But I have been thinking much more about like, how do you actually deliver on this idea of more access? And I think that there is kind of a bottleneck in that you kind of need centralized exchanges for distribution just because I think if you think about the parallel of what DeFi is today to like traditional equities investing, if I wanted to buy shares of stock in 20 different companies, I wouldn't have to go to like 20 different websites and interact with those front ends so I could buy the share from that company. Instead, I have like a centralized brokerage account that I can use and have that UX. And I think that that's something that I just don't really see people who are new to the investing ecosystem, basically like adopting a much more complicated behavior than we've already created. And so I think it's it's particularly interesting to kind of see like how we can create better on-ramps like you were talking about where people who might be like unbanked have somehow have capabilities to like directly uh, on-ramp into either a CeFi exchange or DeFi and, and kind of have quick access to being able to, to get to those products. So that's something that's that's pretty interesting to me. 
I also think along the lines of what you're talking about with like interest rates and opportunities to, to save in crypto, one of the things that's really struck me and something that we're working on in terms of like the type of assets that we're trying to create markets for is that in crypto to date, like there's really not great investment opportunities. And I say that as a blanket statement, but I mean, like if you if you look at most things that have gone through some sort of volatility cycle in crypto, they are very, very, very speculative and there's not a lot of utility inbuilt. Uh, I think like Ethereum and a couple other L1s and L2s are like the only real things that generate significant revenue. And so when you're thinking about this idea of if I want to park all of my assets in crypto, but I don't actually have anything from a risk reward profile that's like competitive with just owning a T-bill. That's something that I think is a problem and that we need to solve. And I think um, like protocols like Ondo that have recently launched, I think are really interesting where it's actually going to allow people to access the risk-free rate um, via crypto native. But the challenges with these things, I think, is... From an access perspective, like like you were talking about, there's uh, there's this idea that everything should be easily accessed. But a lot of these protocols that are bringing these better investment opportunities on are basically doing like KYC AML so that they can be compliant and allowed to operate within certain locales. And I'm just curious, kind of like how that eventually translates into a system where everybody can access those things if we're basically like building up the same walls. So I'm curious yes, what um, you think about that. Great question. All right. So let's, let's unpack. There's a, a few things here. So first of all, I do think that, I mean, Bitcoin and Ethereum have been some of the best performing investments that the average individual had access to over the past 10 years. Um, and I don't think that's going away. Um, and in terms of the risk-free rate, I actually think... Um, is it, is it really risk-free or is it all a house of cards just get, that's waiting to collapse? And that where collapse is actually, in my opinion, pretty inevitable, pretty likely to happen. It's just a matter of time. I also think that just inflation period is one of the things that has kept the lower class down probably more than anything. And it has helped concentrate wealth with the higher class. Because if you're just living paycheck to paycheck and you're not investing your, your dollars into actual hard assets, then your purchasing power is decreasing and wages have not risen in step with inflation. So actually just having a hard money that isn't um, subject to the decree of a, a Federal Reserve or a central bank, I actually think is one of the, the things that we can do to empower um, the lower class more than anything, just giving people financial sovereignty and access to a currency that isn't getting printed to oblivion. Um, and yeah, now you can earn yield on your Ethereum at the protocol level. Um, and I think that soon these DeFi opportunities, these protocol level yields are going to become the new risk-free rate, basically. Um, and yeah, I think when that happens, we can imagine a lot more liquidity to flow into it. And obviously it's going to be better for the individuals that get in earlier. Um, in terms of giving people access to this, that's what we're all about at Shapeshift. So I appreciate you teeing me up. Um, Shapeshift, we're building the ultimate interface to the decentralized universe. You can check it. it's live right now on app.shapeshift.com or in the app stores on both iOS and Android. And um, it's beautiful. It supports 12 different chains, 170 different wallets. Plus, you can create a wallet in a minute on Shapeshift. Um, you can buy, sell, send, receive, trade, earn a yield, bridge across chains. Um, and it's all open source, community owned and free. Shapeshift doesn't put any fees on top of it. The only fees you pay are on the protocol level. Um, so yeah, we are, our whole mission is to make it easier for the average individual to have financial self-sovereignty and to, um, yeah, to access all these opportunities in a way that doesn't sacrifice their self-custody or their personal information. Um, so yeah, there's um, centralized exchanges, I think, are always going to be there. They're able to 
make some uh, UX trade-offs that are harder for, for self-custody platforms. Um, and so, yeah, and we're, we're shapeshift's there when users are ready to graduate from the centralized exchange and take control. Yeah. I mean, do you, have you thought at all about how we could potentially see a future where we don't need to rely on the middle step of a centralized exchange to get your assets into DeFi? Yeah, I think that's a holy grail. Um, trying to figure out, like, once you're in DeFi, um, it's pretty smooth sailing, right? Like, you can go yeah. get a loan, you can go start earning yield, and, like, it's actually, aside from the transaction fees on mainnet, it's it's pretty, it's easier than going and doing all that stuff at a bank, or just as easy as doing it in, like, a Web2 uh, fintech app. Um, but it's really just, like, the gates to the party, the bouncers at the party, um, where you need a KYC and on-ramp that... Um, can be very challenging and even prohibitive for some people around the world to be able to access this. Yeah. Um, so I definitely think there's a lot of room for improvement. It's not necessarily part of it's the tech um, and just trying to bridge uh, legacy finance with um, with cryptocurrency because things like chargebacks and stuff like that um, create a lot of potential for fraud. Like once there's no refunds with crypto, and uh, so if Somebody buys crypto with their card or, bank, card or bank account and the crypto gets sent to them. And then it turns out it wasn't actually them who bought it because there's terrible security around crypto and, yeah. and make accounts. And anyone who has your routing number can can make a transfer. Um, then, yeah, there's no way for the, the banks and the credit cards to get to get that back, uh, to get the crypto back. So that creates some challenges. Obviously, the regulatory environment creates a lot of the other challenges uh, that make that experience so brutal. Um, but yeah, I don't know exactly what the solution is. If anyone's listening, I think please, please go build it. Um, but yeah, even just things like, like local Bitcoins. Um, I know there's a project at ETH Denver that was doing like a ATM that, um, was kind of like a liquidity pool and that didn't require KYC because like anybody could come provide liquidity into the, uh, ATM and get tokens they could use to then come like withdraw their liquidity in the future and they could earn fees, um, from people using the ATM. That's very so cool. yeah, that was, I thought that was pretty cool. And I'm excited for just, for more things like that, more just like peer to peer, um, yeah, or physical uh, opportunities, I think, could really help. Yeah, I mean, I think the the most direct, easy thing to do is just get more employers paying people directly in totally. staples, right? And then you just go straight. I, I, we have multiple contractors that we just every couple of weeks I send USDC to a to a wallet, right? And it's like that easy. And I know awesome. that I know that some people wouldn't even want the USDC at this point, given what we just saw <laughs> with the whole banking situation. But I did have one more one more quick question. If, and yeah, just on what you just said, I think that's yeah. a great point. And uh, Eat Denver 2020 did a hackathon project where you could basically donate to fighting climate change on one side. And then on the other side, people could plant trees and get paid in crypto. And you could have 100% of every donation go directly to the person planting trees. I thought that was a really cool concept because, yeah, to your point, it can um, enable anybody in the world who wants access to crypto or who, who needs um, to earn money to survive, um, it can give them a new opportunity basically in a way that's actually good for the environment. Um, and you can figure out what's the, what is the, the global cost? What is the cost to plant a tree basically? Um, and you can do all that without a, uh, nonprofit or a central party having to manage everything. Uh, yeah. so things like that, I think are really exciting. And again, we've just, just barely scratched the surface. Yeah. I, I think that that is, that's actually really interesting because it kind of uh, dovetails into my last question here, but something that we are focused on is I think there are certain investment opportunities within traditional finance that are net good, I think, from a like societal growth perspective. I think one of those things is debt, like debt, especially corporate debt, basically 
runs all of the infrastructure pro uh, projects in the world, right? Like it's how we, how we build things, how we actually move atoms. And I think talking about climate, it's a very poignant and interesting thing where there is giving access to the long tail of, of investors that have never really been able to invest in institutional great opportunities, access to invest in potential like large infrastructure debt projects that could be used for like a massive trillion dollar clean energy fund or something like that. We believe that ultimately that is like one of the most exciting opportunities in crypto. And what we're really focused on is deploying this massive hoard of, of capital that's never really had access to be able to solve these massive problems because we really feel like it improves things for humanity on both a micro and macro level, right? Because on the micro level, you might have $100 of investable capital every year. And in the past, you might have just like bought a lottery ticket or put it all on Pepe, right? Because you, you think that, you know, if you're only making $100, like something that might make one or 2% yield every year, it's just like not worth just taking the gamble and seeing if you can double it, right? But if you actually give people opportunities where they can be earning like 10, 20% yield every year in a way that is sustainable, that institutional grade investors have had access to forever, then we we really think like that is a it's a major shift in in the way that we can do things and the macro level too like we we definitely need to deploy a lot of capital towards projects that will help our climate help us create a better place to live and so i think yeah. that's that's like a very exciting thing that we've been focused on that's awesome and i think web3 is can be really beneficial to to achieving that vision because um i know a lot in the past a lot of the um, the projects that try to do like peer-to-peer -peer lending, basically, um, like SoFi, for example, um, they their initial focus was on enabling anybody to basically like lend to college students to help them get um, student loans. Um, but what they found was that the big institutional players were had were yeah were demanding so much of their available liquidity that um, it actually in the end was better for them to just focus on the institutional players because it was a lot less overhead for them to handle all these individual lenders. Um, but in Web3, you can remove a lot of that overhead and you can just make it fully permissionless, peer-to-peer, -peer, trustless. And yeah. by doing that, you can actually open it up to all these individuals basically that would otherwise not be worth it for a centralized organization to to focus on and to cater to because it's just easier for them to go to these big institutional players. So that's awesome that you guys are, are building that. I'm excited. Yeah. No, the, the, the minimum check size changes everything, right? Like yeah. if I can, if I can get bond exposure with $5, that's a pretty crazy dynamic, right? That's huge. Uh, and also just micro loans too. That's like, that's another thing that can be really beneficial to this, this problem is um, enabling anyone to basically go get a $25 loan or $10 loan and not pay crazy interest rates. Um, and on the other side, enabling anyone to, to provide the liquidity for that loan. So, yeah, yeah. no, it's like a, it's a structure where I think, I think humans generally do like to help each other. And I think that it's a, it's a much more frictionless experience to be able to help somebody. Right. So it's, it's cool in that sense. Totally. Well, uh, I'll have to check Suk out. Thanks for telling me about it today. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for, thanks for your time and uh, good luck with everything at the Fox Foundation. My pleasure. Cheers. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Grit Daily Startup. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll get updates as new episodes become available. This podcast is brought to you by GritDaily.com, the premier startup news hub. More information at GritDaily.com. Once again, I'm your host, Sebastian Rusk. Until next time, friends. Grit Daily.